Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Matthew chapter 5, I have a, a word that's burning in my heart uh, for you today. And uh, I really, it's part of the Beatitude series, but it really is burning in my heart. I'm going to try to go to 1210, no later than 1215 today, so we can enjoy the park together. Uh, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Let's pray. Get your Bibles out. Get your tablet out for the Word. I really, really do feel that the Lord wants to speak to, to many people today about what the Lord wants to do. Father, in Jesus' name, awaken our hearts. Come, come alive in our hearts. Set us free from performance. Set us free from a lack of revelation of your nature. Father, particularly today, Lord, set us free from any wrong thinking of ourselves, of your nature that wants to bless us and be good to us. Father, we ask you, Lord God, to speak to us. Come on, just lift up your hands for a second. Be, speak to us, Lord God, in a significant way so that we won't beat ourselves up, Lord God, with the spiritual hammer about how much we come short. Today, through this beatitude, would you release your presence and your spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said, and everyone said, Matthew chapter 5, I want to read verse 3, as we've been doing almost every week, and I want to uh, land on verse 7, all right? Verse 3 and verse 7, here it goes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is review. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now watch the progression right after meekness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now look at right after righteousness, what comes up next. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Say that with me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Say it like you mean it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Lord, guys, I want you to look at me. This is probably one of the most significant beatitudes other than one of the next, the ones that I'm going to do next week, is, oh, not next week, the week after that because it's, it's going to be Easter next week. Bring a friend next week. It's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be powerful. We have some things planned that even my leaders don't know about. We're going to show you something. So hallelujah. Um, I, I say that because this, this beatitude right here, for those of you who have not been here, remember the Beatitudes are progressive. That means they build upon each other. Now, it's a significant thing to know that mercy comes right after righteousness. And I'm going to share that with you in a second. But why do we need to be merciful? Why do we need to understand mercy? First of all, we need to understand God's nature of mercy and what it is and what it's not so that we can be merciful to others. Sometimes what we define as mercy is not mercy, but sometimes what we don't define as mercy is also not mercy as well. Can I hear an amen? And as my many years as pastoring, please hear me now, in my many years of pastoring, I've come to realize this one of many truths, especially about mercy. I am convinced that most of the body of Christ have, have very little revelation about the surpassing knowledge and reality of mercy. Why do I say that? We say it in songs. We quote it in our dialogue, in our Christianese dialogue. Oh, God be merciful. But I don't think many Christians have really encountered the raw mercy of God in their lives. Because the reason why I say that is because of so many Christians I see struggling with shame. Watch this. Condemnation and guilt. 
the, the, the reality of condemnation to a degree dictates how much mercy revelation you have of God. Because condemnation is a lie that tells you that you need to beat yourself up, that God is mad at you all the time, that you're this horrible person because you haven't read the Bible in two days, and you constantly beat yourself up, and you slip into a works mentality, a performance-driven reality, and you slip into condemnation and shame and guilt, not so much from Maybe all these hardcore sins, and some of people fall into that category, but for the majority of the body of Christ, it's not the hardcore sins that is tripping them up. It's their own belief about what God is not that's tripping them up. They're, they're, they're on a rigid system, and they're thinking, well, I messed up. I haven't prayed. I haven't showed up to this meeting. I haven't done this. They're putting pressure on me. And there's this subliminal message that we have to perform or, we, or, we, or we, we beat ourselves up because we didn't pray for two hours. Now, praise God if you pray for two hours. Praise God if you, praise God if you pray for five hours. But it's out of a relationship, not out of obligation. Not out of duty. It is, uh, listen, you could, you could connect with God in ten minutes if you're connecting with him than sitting in a room for five hours. Just because you sit in a room for five hours doesn't mean you're connected with God for five hours. Don't let me preach early this morning. And I make this announcement because self-hatred, condemnation, shame. You and I cannot approach God with confidence without the revelation of mercy. You cannot. You and I cannot approach a holy God with confidence if you don't know that the Lord's nature is that he desires to be merciful. He just doesn't have mercy. He is mercy. Now, it's not only in your walk with God. Some of you are beating your head over your ministry or your lack thereof or your, or your business or your lack thereof, and you're beating yourself up because if you don't know your identity, when you don't know the mercy of God, you will look at other things to dictate happiness in your life. If I didn't know my identity and if I didn't know God was merciful, I would look at empty seats and, and believe the lie that I'm doing something wrong. I believe, oh, but maybe I'm not praying, and the devil's, you, you're not praying enough this week, and you're not doing enough this week, you're not doing enough this week. And all those things, you and I need to have a revelation of the mercy of God. Because this beatitude, this is beautiful, this beatitude of mercy is one of the only beatitudes that you have to give away to others. Now, remember what this says. This is, this is going to be amazing here. This beatitude is selfless. Say selfless. But you can't give it away unless you've encountered God's mercy. We need, can I just be real with you? We need as Christians to walk in mercy. We need to mingle mercy. We need to mingle mercy in everything we do because mercy is the necessary balance in almost everything we do. Let me give you an example. We need to, we need to mingle mercy with our intercession. Because if we don't mingle mercy with intercession, our intercession and our prayers will be vengeful in nature. Lord, get them. Call down fire from heaven. Lord, remove that boss. I pray that you, and we, it's funny how Christians pray. Lord, I pray that you remove that wicked boss from my life. Maybe God is putting that, in, that wicked boss on your life to humble you, to see how you would respond. Lord, we call down fire. If we didn't have mercy, the revelation of mercy, our prayers will be self-centered. How about, listen, how about our preaching? We need, we need the mercy mingled with our preaching because if not, our, our preaching will be full of anger. And you people are always late. Why are you come here? You don't deserve me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like pe people that don't have a revelation of mercy, will watch this, get agitated about everything. 
they get agitated about everything, and then you're preaching to people how you deal with people has a lack of mercy. Watch this. And therefore, you become rigid. You become angry. You become this robotic Christian that God doesn't want. You should be bubbling with mercy for other people. I'm going to share something in just a minute. You know what we need mercy to balance for too? We need mercy to balance our, even our evangelism. If we don't have mercy mixed in with our evangelism, we'll turn people away and, and think that we're doing God justice. Now, I'm going to tell you something in just a second. Mercy, what is mercy and what is grace? I've said this before in our class, in a previous class, but, but, but I want you to hear this. Grace has a giving aspect to it. Mercy has a withholding aspect to it. Grace is giving us something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve heaven. Come on, am I preaching to anybody in this room? We don't deserve the goodness of God. We don't deserve the blood of Jesus. We don't deserve being forgiven. But God gave that to us by his grace. Mercy is not giving you something that we do deserve. Mercy is withholding the consequences of our wrongdoings for just a little time in hopes that we turn our hearts and mercy. Will, will, when we are a recipient of mercy, I'm going to give you a revelation. When you and I fully are a recipient of mercy, no one has to tell you how to live right or to live right right away. You'll desire it automatically. You know why? Because when you know that you deserve something and didn't get it, it's going to cause righteousness to be attractable to you. Think about what I just said. It's no coincidence that mercy comes right after righteousness in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And right afterwards, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy is the necessary balance to righteousness. Why? Because God is a holy God. But if he was only holy and not righteous, I'm sorry, and not merciful, it will be impossible for weak humanity to approach a holy God. It's the necessary balance. It is mercy withholds the demands of justice, but it does not contradict sin or the truth of God's word. Some people say, well, I could do what I want because of the mercy of God. No, mercy withholds the necessary uh, demands of justice for enough time to awaken our hearts to desire righteousness. Come on, say amen. And here's the thing about this beatitude. I want you to listen to this. This is, I, I don't know if, if you're a lot like me. How, okay, I'm just going to say this. How many know you more than you know than, than, than anybody else? Like you know yourself more than anybody else, right? Raise your hand, all right? So when you know you, you know that you need some mercy. Come on, don't, don't look at me like you're all holy now. When you know your ways, when you know who you really are and your crankiness and your attitudes and your, and your lack of, of this or that, you know, God, thank you for mercy. I need mercy. mercy. Are you ready for this? Watch this. In a, in a prophetic way, this beatitude that Jesus is saying has a reaping and sowing effect to it. Oh, my God. Has a sowing Pastor George, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying that you and I could be in a position to get more mercy when we sow mercy. You say, I don't believe that. Look at that first slide. I put the first slide up there. Put that first point up there. We can position ourselves to receive more mercy in our lives if we show mercy to others. Here is a side note. Showing mercy to others should be because God has shown you great mercy. 
And his mercy to others does not excuse their behavior or wrongdoing. What it is doing, it is delaying the process of judgment so that they could turn their ways. We, the way we speak, the way we deal with people, listen, people are not robots. They're not perfection people. I told one of my staff, they said, oh, I forgot to do this. I said, it's okay. We're not perfect. We're not perfect at all. So we have to get to the point where we so watch this. You want more mercy in your life? Here's a simple thing. Start being merciful to others. I'm going to say something really powerful here that is going to scare some of you. Even judgment, judgment, say judgment. Judgment has, is, sorry, the severity of judgment is linked to the severity of mercy that we walk in. I'm going to say that again. In this age and in the age to come, Judgments, the full wrath of judgment is actually can be tempered by how we are walking in mercy before mercy here. You say, Pastor George, that's not that's not right. Yes, it is. It's scriptural. I'm glad you asked that. Because James chapter 2, put it up there. Look at what it says. This is a scary script. I've said it before, but this is a good scripture to, to remind us. The Bible says, James says, speak to those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Watch this, guys, watch. For, oh, man, 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 man. For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Let me say that again. Judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Why, why do I say that? Because this beatitude has, the, Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful. That means when you feel like it or not, when you do it or not, you are merciful to people. Here's what, uh, there's, there was a time when I was a youth pastor that I've said this story before, but there was a time where, where people were just doing stuff and they were wrong and doing all this crazy stuff. Long story short, I found out about it and everything in me wanted to just let them have it. How many want to let our, our kids have it sometimes, right? Our spiritual kids have it sometimes. And everything in me was like, you know, they deserve this. They, I need to correct them. And... I remember the Lord says, be merciful to them. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be merciful to them. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to let them have it, right, <laughs> because they deserve it, you know. And, and, and I started realizing that the Lord was so merciful to me. What if you felt God's immediate judgment every time you sinned? Every time you made a mistake, what, 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 what would you feel like? You would be walking on eggshells with God every single day. Because of God's mercy, Sometimes you're like, oh, God, I messed up, and there's no lightning bolts, and there's no thunder. God's like, still come. Ask for forgiveness. I forgive you, and I'm withholding that. You know what Psalms 103 says? Psalms 103 says, you, I do not deal with you according to your iniquities, but as far as the east is from the west, so I have removed your iniquities from you. Come on, say amen. That's an exciting thing. So I remember saying to these, these kids when I was a youth pastor and I was about to let them have it. They were sneaking around and they were actually leaders and like they deserve better. They know better, you know. And all these scriptures I'm going to tell them, you know. And the Lord says, be merciful to them. Because I, I felt the Lord was testing me. Long story short, I said to them, I said, I know that you think I'm going to step you out of leadership. <laughs> actually, what happened was, I remember now, is, is I said, what do you think? If, if you were Pastor George, what do you think I should do? We would kick us out. We would kick us out of leadership. And they were crying. And I was kind of laughing in the inside. I'm like, look at these guys. And I said, I'm not going to kick you off of leadership. I want to be merciful to you. They look, honestly, they looked at me like, like, if, like a deer looking at, at lights. They're like, what? 
I said, I'm going to, watch this. This is powerful. I'm going to give you a second chance to get things right. No consequence. Just don't do that again. And if you do, then we have to uh, talk about he, uh, uh, um, consequences and, and, and discipline and, and things of that nature. Do you know what started happening to those people? Those people, without me telling them to live right, without me telling them you got to live holy, they experienced the mercy of God, and they dropped their old friends. They dropped the old habits. They knew they got a second chance to get right, and they started living right automatically because they experienced mercy. They experienced mercy, and then now righteousness was attractable to them. Come on. Do you realize that if you become merciful, that, watch this, does not excuse sin. In other words, mercy's nature does not, does not say that's not sin. And I'm going to prove it to you. Mo spoke last week. How many remember Mo speaking last week? He spoke last week on, on a lot of things on identity, but he mentioned the, uh, he mentioned the, uh, the, the, the woman that was caught in adultery. And I, and I have been feeling that story for a while. And I want to see, I want to watch, you. I, I know we, we've read this before, but I want you to see mercy personified, but I also want you to see three things that I saw in this story about mercy that we don't see because, yes, mercy delays the consequences of our sin, but it also does not ignore what sin is. I'm going to show you. Let's all turn to John chapter 8. Amen. John chapter 8, verse uh, 1. Are you still here? John chapter 8. I have my good old-fashioned Bible today instead of my tablet. Okay, so John chapter 8. If you guys could look at verse uh, verse one, I know we've. I want you to. I just. We're gonna have a little Bible study today, and I'm gonna encourage you because I felt in my spirit that some of you need to get a revelation of mercy, and you need to start doing a homework assignment. I'm gonna give you a homework assignment. I'm, I'm gonna ask you to look at people through the lens of mercy and treat them with mercy, and you will see what happened in your life. You're gonna position yourself for more mercy from God, and you're gonna see their hearts change. Can I hear an amen? And everyone went, verse 1, to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, Jesus came into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and they had set, in the, they had set her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Watch this. I mean, just use your imagination on that one. They were caught in the very act of adultery. In other words, not even with her husband. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They said this, testing him, and they might have, uh, have something to which accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And when they, verse 7, when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without, without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Look, then those who had heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. Could you imagine that moment? He was left alone with this woman. Put you in, your, in this shoe. Put yourself and your inconsistency in this moment where Jesus is looking at you just after you did something wrong. Most people, when they, when they think Jesus is looking at them, they're, gonna, they're like this. They're whimpering, and they're waiting for the, you know, the, the Spanish people call it la chancla. 
right? Like, or, 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 the, or the belt, right? How many, how many were experiencing the belt? See, some of your eyes are like this. They're going twitching. I knew when my dad was going to get the belt because he had that lip curl. Huh? Huh? What? I'm like, no, Papi, no. We think that by God. We think that we, when we sin, God's going, huh? Come on here, huh? What did you say, huh? And so we come to God like, ah, oh, right? Now watch this. Jesus is with this sinner woman who just committed adultery. Everyone left her, and now she has to face the Holy Son of God. You think, oh, my God. Look at what Jesus locked eyes into that woman. Watch. And look what he says. But when Jesus raises us up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Has no one condemned you? Look at this. She goes, no one, Lord. Now you would think, but I, the son of God, I have issues with you. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now watch. Are you ready for this? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? He relieved her. So there's, things, there's three things I saw here. Number one, Jesus didn't give her what she deserved. The Bible in verse 4 and 5 says she deserved to be stoned. And that's a true statement. Moses required those adulterers to be stoned. So by the law, she deserved, by the holy law, she deserved to be stoned. Mercy did not give her what she deserved. Number two, what did mercy do? Mercy relieved her from condemnation. How many have struggled from condemnation? Come on. How many have struggled with that? If you get a revelation of mercy, it will relieve you from the performance that you have to do all this stuff because Jesus, what did she do to deserve her forgiveness? Nothing. That's why it withholds things that you do deserve. Come on. You're, just, you're going 100 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. Cops pulls you over, doesn't give you a ticket. Mercy didn't give it to you. So he says, mercy, so watch, the second thing is that, that he relieved her from condemnation. What, look at the third thing. The third thing that I see in this story is in that verse right there. Mercy does not ignore or turn around of what sin really is. He didn't say, neither do I condemn you. Don't worry about it. It's just not a big deal. He goes, it is a big deal. Just don't do it again. We need that in the church again. We need that in love again. We need that in Christians again. It's okay. It's wrong. It hurt my heart. Don't do it again. I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to be merciful to you. How many people can we win over to the Lord by showing the mercy of God? Let me just say this because some of you are not saying amen to anything I say to this morning. You're just like. All right, let's put it this way. How many need more mercy in their life? Sow mercy to others, and you will reap mercy in your life. It's, it's, it's biblical. You will reap mercy in your life. Can I hear an amen? You know the story uh, that I'm not going to share because of time? Um, is the story in Luke of, uh, that I believe is a prophetic sign of the church today, sadly. And there's, there's a, 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 a lawyer that comes to Jesus, and this lawyer comes to Jesus and says, Hey! You said, Jesus, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible says, wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, who's our neighbor? And I love what Jesus said. Look at this, guys. 
He says, who's your neighbor? Because the, 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 the two best command, the main commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this, guy, this lawyer dude trying to test Jesus said, all right, who's our neighbor? Let's see if he gets it right. So I love what Jesus said. Now, what I'm about to say is sadly the, a prophetic picture of the church. We need to, can I just be honest? The church needs to be the people that are the most merciful, the most loving. And so, here, so here's the story. So the Jesus said, okay, I'm going to tell you who the neighbor is by saying this story. He said this. Hey, there was a guy who fell among thieves. Modern day version, he got beat up, bum rushed. He got jacked up by some people. Right? And so the, Jesus said, he, this guy, he got beat up, he got robbed, and he was left half dead on the street. Now watch this. Watch, 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 watch. Here is the picture, sadly, of the church today. The Bible, Jesus said, and a priest, priest, church folk, <laughs> priest came by and said, oh, I'm late to my prayer meeting. I can't do that. I can't help you right now. I'm, I'm busy going to a conference. I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy, uh, I'm late as a guest speaker. I'm a priest, I'm a pastor, I'm a leader in a church, and I have a leader's meeting, I can't help you. Pass right by him. Oh, oh, ready? A Levite, hello. Levite, that means those in the Old Testament, the worshipers, those who are intercessors, and those who, who are spending a lot of time with the Lord. They got quiet up in here. Levi come in and says, oh, I'm late to my prayer meeting. I need, I, need to, I need to get my worship on. I need to get my praise on. Sorry, buddy. I can't help you right now. I, don't get mad at me. Jesus wrote this, all right? So don't, don't be texting me anything. A priest came by, church folk. Levi came by, the, the worshipers, the intercessors, the, those who love the Lord, carry the Ark of the Covenant, said, I don't have time for you. The Bible says a Samaritan person came, not even saved. Samaritan person came and said, hey, get up, buddy. What's going on? Cleaned him up, bandaged him up, went to the inn. That's a hotel. That's a cool name for a hotel back then. And so they went, to, they went to a really good hotel, and they put him into a nice hotel. And then as he put him in, in a hotel, fed him and said to the hotel manager, hey, whatever he spends, it's on my account. And anytime, when I come back, I'll repay it for you. Then Jesus said, who of one of these was his neighbor? Watch this. And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. That was the neighbor. Do you know what he said? Go and do likewise. Mercy is the, is the attribute of heaven. We need to speak with each other with mercy. Husbands and wives need to be merciful to each other. You know what I love? Oh, you're going to shout. You know in the, in the mercy seat, in the Ark of the Covenant? Come here, Donnie. Come here. Come here. Come here. This just came. So in the, in the mercy, the, the Ark of the Covenant, there was a law. And then right, after, right on, on top of the law, there was the mercy seat, right? But there was two cherubims, right? So the cherubims go like this. So the cherubims, the Bible says they, they, they touch each other, but they did not look at each other. Watch. Just go down. So the two cherubims were covering the mercy seat. You know what this is a prophetic sign of? You may not see eye to eye in your relationships, but still have mercy. You may not see eye to eye on your discussions. You may not see eye to eye on your marriage. You may not see eye to eye in your business, but continue to treat each other with mercy. And you'll be, you will reap the benefits of mercy. Come on, say amen. Thank you, Pastor Donnie. Say Amen. I need the worship team to come up here. I'm trying to be good here. Glory to God. 
I want you, I want you to, 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 to turn to Genesis chapter 19. I only have two more scriptures left. Are you getting something this morning? Are you getting something this morning? We got to be careful that even in our messages of repentance, which is very necessary, that we don't come across judgmental or angry. We should be weeping when we call people to repentance inside. Not like, I told you so, you little dirty nothing little. It's about time you come up here. You're not living righteous. We need, to, we, need to, we need to weep for the spiritual condition of people, and we have to know our own condition. As I've grown in the Lord, I realize I need a lot of mercy. So when someone slips up now, I'm not like the old PG. I'll be like, it's all right. Give me a hug. Just don't do it again. Hey, why'd you do it? Okay, why? You, oh, just because this is That's okay, all right, that's fine. Let's go. They're like, what? Yes, let's go. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. God wants to tell you today he's giving you second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Stop beating yourself up with a spiritual hammer. I said stop beating yourself. This is for somebody today. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Stop condemning yourself and know that his mercy is new every morning. That means he never, ever runs out of mercy. And not only does he not run out, it endures forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Forever. It never stops. That means, God forbid, you could slip up real, real bad. And tomorrow morning, fresh dose of mercy is available for you. That should encourage you this morning. That your delay, that your mess up, is not going to abort everything that God plans. Yeah, you may have to learn a few lessons. Yeah, you may have to, you may have to repent and, and, and backtrack a little bit. But let me tell you something, my friends. Don't feel that if you messed up one time, two times, three times, that God is through with you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Because you've had a business idea and you've kept it up on the shelf and nothing has happened. You beat yourself up for that. That's right. Get them, Lord. Get them. Or you've had a calling in your life and you haven't done it and you beat yourself up for that. I want you to see two verses here, two, two, two chapters, I mean, two, two scriptures. Genesis 19, oh, I love this. You're going to shout, hopefully, because you haven't been shouting all, all, all morning. So I'm concerned. Genesis chapter 19 for 15. Come on, Donnie, you got to help me out, man. You got to shout for me. Woo! Look at verse 15. Ready for this? Genesis 19, verse 15. Now, how many remember the story of, of Lot? Let me just backtrack. How many, how many know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Right. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah was one of the most polluted spiritually, dirty, unholy atrocities that they were doing. And so there was no repentance. And so God says, he, and, and by the way, you say, where's mercy of God? If you, if you, if you look at the previous verses, Abraham said, hey, if there's 50, would you destroy it? 50, there's more, there's more than 50 people here in this church. He goes, if there's 50 people in the entire sinful, horrible, atrocious city of Sodom and Gomorrah, would you destroy it? I will not destroy it for 10. I mean, sorry, for, 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 for 50. He kept going, how about for 40? I won't destroy it for 40. What? But you see all the atrocities. He goes, if there's, if there's 40 righteous people, I will not destroy it. How about 30, Lord? How about, how about? 
20. Okay, okay, okay. Don't get mad at me. But how about there's 10 righteous people in the entire city? He goes, I won't destroy for 10. So when you see judgment coming on Sodom and Gomorrah, it's because literally all the mercy had been exhausted. All the chances of mercy, it's like, I still don't want it. I'm still, there was not, there was not even 10 righteous people living for God in Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that. So watch this. I'm setting up a backdrop. Sodom and Gomorrah then came into judgment. Fire and brimstone came from heaven, raining from heaven, destroying Sodom and Gomorrah to the point where Abraham looked and saw this this furnace of smoke. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Because sometimes we delay when there's judgment and we still desire the world even when there's judgment against the world. Watch this. Look at that verse. When the morning dawned and the angels urged Lot, look at this, to hurry saying, arise, take your wife. He said, take your wife. And you're not, 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 when you say these two men, those are the angels of the Lord. Some people, some translations say men. The angels urged Lot, arise, take your wife and your two daughters are here, lest you be consumed with the punishment of the city. So uh, I don't know about you, but if an angel steps in my door and says, hurry up, get out of here, I'd be like, I don't care if I'm eating breakfast or, 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 or whatever. I'd be like, showed up, drop everything you're doing, let's get out. My man Lot just took his time. He's like, I'm, I, I have time. I have time. God is, you know, it's, there's judgment, but it's not going to come to me yet. Now, while he, now watch this. While he lingered, I feel like preaching. While he lingered, the men took hold of his hands. It's the angels. In other words, says, hurry up, fool. Get out. Oh, you're not going to do it? So the, watch this. The men took his wife. The angel said, come here, come here, come here. Took his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters. The Lord be merciful to him. He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve the extra mile. He didn't deserve the angel saying, oh, you're not hurrying up. I'm going to grab you by the hand. I'm going to get you out of here myself. The Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and sent him outside of the city. Now watch, watch, keep going. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape. The angel said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountain lest you be destroyed. Pretty clear instructions, right? He said to him, Please know, my Lord. What? Lot said, first he lingered. Then he goes like, no, 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 I don't want to escape right now. But I want to escape to another place. <laughs> he goes, indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight and has increased your mercy, have shown me. I cannot escape to the mountains. Some evil thing will overtake me. We are filled with excuses when it comes to executing obedience. Here's hell, fire, I mean, fire and brimstone about to destroy the city. They're like, I don't want to go to that city. The angel just took you out by hand. And now you're telling the angel, I don't want to go to that mountain. I don't want you, I don't want you to save me this way. I want you to save me my way. Because your way is inconvenient. Because your way, I may not like the way that you escape me because that may require faith in that mountain. That may require me to do some things that I don't like to do. So, so get me out of compromise, but don't make me use my faith. You would think 
if I was the angel, I'd be like, oh, 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 no, 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 no. I just got your behind out from my hand. I, you just ran out of mercy. Look at this. He said, see, I found favor concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. The little city. Hurry, escape there. Are you ready for this? For I cannot do anything until you get there. This disobedient, lingering person delayed the, uh, the agenda of heaven because of God's mercy. He goes, the name of the place is Zoar. You know what Zoar means? The place of insignificance. If you look it up, Zoar means insignificance. You know what I'm going to say prophetically to you? There's sometimes that we feel insignificant in our situation, in our state, and we're selfish, and we're, and we're egotistical, and we want our way instead of God's way, and we want to have our compromise and still have the cake and eat it too. And God says, even in your insignificance, I will still show my mercy on you. Even in the times that you feel like you are nobody and you want to shrivel up into a corner, I'm going to, listen, I have news for you. Mercy has your name on it this morning. Judgment could not happen until he went to Zoar, the place of insignificance. And watch this. Sometimes God is merciful with our lingering. We, there's many of us here today that have lingered in obedience. And God says, you know what? I want to grab you by the hand and I want to take you to this place, whether you like it or not, because I need to show you my mercy. And the purpose that I'm showing you my mercy is so that you can turn from your ways. Hear me now. God's mercy is linked to his forbearance, his patience, his long-suffering. I'm going to say that again. God's mercy, put the second slide on there, Zach. God's mercy is linked to his patience, his long-suffering, listen, and, 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 his, and his, his delay. Look at this. God's mercy is a loving restraining force that delays the consequence of our wrongdoings. It's a loving restraining force saying, not yet, not judgment yet, because if I give him another chance, his heart's going to soften. Their heart's going to soften. What do you feel like, okay, have you ever been about to get, when you were younger, some of, there's a lot of adults here, but when you were younger and you know, you came in at 2 in the morning and you were, your curfew was 11 and your parents start doing that delirious laugh. <laughs> you just come in at 2 in the morning, don't you? <laughs> you, think, you think you're grown now. You, you're grown. <laughs> they have that, that delirious laugh. <laughs> Look at this guy. You come in at 2, 3 in the morning and you know you're about to get your butt whipped. <laughs> and you don't get anything from your parents but welcome home. What does that do to you? When you, when you know you're walking in like, <laughs> I laugh because there's a, there's, a, there's a comedian named Sinbad, you know, that I used to see years ago. He doesn't curse. But like, he's like, God, he, God, God will speak to everything when you're late. You know, like you're sneaking in and the birds are going, Sinbad, Sinbad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Edit that. Edit that out. So you're, try, you're trying to sneak in. but So here's the thing. God is merciful. Watch this. I'm going to close with this. Sometimes we have to remember past merciful times to experience the fullness of mercy now. Everybody say remember. 
If you're going through something right now in a hard season, sometimes you have to remember in your dry season, in your hurtful season, how good he was so that you could experience new mercy today. In the book of Lamentations, Lamentations, that's why I'm going there. When was the last time you opened the Bible to Lamentations? <laughs> it's like going to Leviticus. No, just joking. <laughs> you know what Lamentations is about? I'm closing right now. The prophet Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. It was during, why does it call Lamentations? Because it's a book of lamenting, of mourning. The entire book is like, oh my God, we used to have it good. The beginning of the book of Lamentations talks about this, the, the, the former Jerusalem and how good it was, how populated it was. It was all lonely. And Jeremiah saw with his eyes Nebuchadnezzar come in and take everything away that was so glorious from the Lord. And he, and he saw the, the Nebuchadnezzar and his wicked regime come and settle in Jerusalem, destroy everything. And he was weeping. He was bitter. He was alone. He was angry. Watch this. I'm closing with this. But he remembered in the midst of this horrible season. Some of you are in a horrible season. I'm going to prophesy to you right now. You need to remember the times he was merciful. Because when you do, it will give you hope today. So, in Lamentations is one of the most greatest promises of hope that we ever see in the Bible in a book of sorrow. In chapter 3, he's reminiscing all the bad stuff that's happening and he's lamenting. And watch this. He says, my soul in the ESV. Is this the ESV? My soul is bereft of peace or without peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. How many feel that way sometimes? I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished, so my, my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and my gall. Watch this. My soul continually remembers that sorrow. How many have been in that place that you continually remember your sorrow? And it's bowed down within me. Watch this. Here's what you need to do. But this I call to remembrance or to mind. And therefore, I have hope. In other words, I'm going to remember a time when it wasn't so bad for me. Come on. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many remember that old hymn? The steadfast love of the Lord. He said that in the midst of wickedness. He said that in the midst of hurt. Today, I want to ask you to remind yourself in the midst of that dry time. Remind yourself when God was merciful. When you should have got a spiritual spanking and he didn't give it to you. When you should have got judgment and he didn't to you. Even when you're in your dry season, I want you to lift up your hands. Come on, remember that hymn? Come on, let's just sing that right now. Right now, right in your seats, right now. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Come on. I want this to be embedded. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.